As Graham said, we're about to delve into a three-week series from here on a Sunday and a four-week series in your connect groups about the practice of fasting. Interestingly enough, the Bible talks about two kind of polar opposite things, we'd say. It talks about the practice of feasting and the practice of fasting. I know when I first hear that, my tendency is to go, yes, feasting. I can have loads of really nice words. Oh, no, fasting, fasting. So I love food. I love food. Some of my favorite things in my memories are times where I've had good meals. Um, there was a time when I, we went to Dubai for our honeymoon and before I went to Dubai, I hated hummus. I hated hummus. I despised it. I thought it was made by the devil. It was, like, it was horrible. We went to Dubai and we were at this like, camp in the middle of the desert and they have hummus there. And I went up and I thought, oh, I'd better try some. I d- dipped into it. Oh, it was like nectar. It was beautiful. It was amazing. So one of my best memories is food from a honeymoon. Sorry, Lay. Is the hummus. The hummus was amazing. We went to, Lay's brother lives in America, we went to visit him and he took us out for dinner and it was some of the most beautiful steak I've ever had in my life. So I look back on Washington DC and think, oh, the steak, the steak. Or I went to the new Turkish in town, there are other Turkishes available in this, but the new Turkish in town was amazing. And I look back there and think, oh, the food is so good. I look at the times in my life when I've had to fast and my memories aren't exactly the same, if I'm honest. I think about times I've had to fast before I have an operation or something like that. And it's always dread with this, how am I going to get through 24 hours without eating? How am I going to cope with the hunger pains that are inside of me? So much so, some of my stories that I tell about fasting are ones when, I've shared one of them before, about when I did a three-day fast, and then Graham had advised me, some of you have heard this story before, when you finish, don't have McDonald's. Sam has McDonald's, Sam is very ill, uh, because I've gone three days without eating food, and the first thing I did was, oh, let's go McDonald's after my three-day fast. Maybe that's a negative story. There's times when I'm fasting where I can physically smell food that's not around. I don't know if anyone's fasted before, and I'm like, I'm like I've actually, I went into the toilet, it smells like garlic bread. But um, there was like, the other day, I was, like, we were fasting before, and I, and I was like, oh, I can smell food that's not here. This is painful, this is painful, I don't, don't get it. And Lay can testify, and probably Graham as well, actually, in the office, and Michelle now, sorry. Um, I get a bit hangry sometimes. Sim is also someone who gets hangry, Hannah's told me. Um, so, it, you get hangry when you're not eating. And we think fasting is this negative thing in our life. We associate feasting with the, the goodness of memories and having a lovely table of food in front of you, and you think of fasting. You think, oh, dread. Dread and sickness. So I'm going to ask you a few questions to start. Um, can I just jump to the next slide, Hannah? Your thoughts. I want to get you involved this morning, just at the beginning. What are your thoughts on fasting? So a simple hands up, no judgment from me at all, because I'm probably the one who's going to see most. When I say fasting, who feels they know what fasting even, fasting even is? Simple hands up, do you feel you know what fasting is? Good. Majority of us know what fasting is. Who prefers feasting to fasting? Interestingly enough, Everyone, even those who haven't fasted, don't know fasting, still like, yes, feasting is amazing. I love feasting. It's so good. Uh, simple question. Who has ever done a fast? Who, so that could be medical or for God. Who's ever done a fast for God? A few less hands. Who fasts regularly? Numbers are dropping more and more. 
Who feels fasting is important? Interestingly enough, there's far more hands who feels fasting is important than those who are so fast regularly. Now, I want to just say from the beginning again, this is not a condemning preach. This is not me standing here going, you know what, I fast four out of seven days a week. I am so holy, I get it. That is not this at all. Because this is a journey I'm on as well. Because I struggle sometimes with fasting. It's, it's a discipline I know I need in my life, but it's something that's quite hard to live out. But during this prep for this talk and other times when God spoke to me about fasting, I've seen the importance of fasting as a Christian. The importance of giving my whole body to God. So let's just delve into why do we even fast? Or before that, what is fasting? Some of you said you know what it is. So it's very simple. Fasting, biblically fasting, is basically giving up food. Sometimes water and drink as well when we look at the Bible. But the, the common place of fasting is the act of giving up food for a period of time. Now, that's not some of, sometimes, especially in previous places I've been, we've t- talked about fasting as giving up social media. Fasting as giving up, um, for me, PS4, things like that. PlayStation games. But I want to put to you that since I've been doing more research, that isn't fasting. Fasting is the, giving, the practice of giving up of food. That other thing is abstinence, which is also a good biblical trait as well. But the practice of, giving, of fasting is giving up food and sometimes water for a period of time. So, very simply, that's what it is. Very simply. But I want to say from the beginning that if you're sitting here and I, you hear me say, I used to practice giving up food and purely no judgment again, you maybe have an unhealthy relationship with food. Maybe medically that's something you, you struggle with as well. I want you to consider the practice of giving up, as fasting of giving up food as a way maybe of exploring that area of an unhealthy relationship with food. Maybe when we talk about fasting, you can explore with your doctor or with one of our, us as leaders a chance for us to pray with you about some of the, the things you, you may struggle with. We'd love to stand by you in that as well. So I would dread for anyone to sit here thinking, oh, do you know what? Sam, you have no idea what it's like. You have no idea how hard it is with my relationship with food whether it's we eat a lot or we struggle to eat anything. That is not what we're talking about in the practice of fasting. In fact, we're saying as a church, we want to stand by you in that. Before we look at this rest of this area, we want to stand by you in that. We want to walk with you and pray with you and journey with you. So, brilliant. Can we jump to the next slide, please, Anna? So, let's move on. The what was very easy, wasn't it? It's giving up food and sometimes water. But the why. I don't know about you, but... When I still hear the word fasting, these are some of the things that go through my head. I've said one of them already. Well, maybe some of them are your thoughts as well. I love food is my number one. I love it. My number two, maybe I have a mindset at times of it's not needed anymore. Maybe that's just a Bible time thing. I'm underneath a new covenant. I've got new promises in my life. I don't need that anymore. Oh, that was just for the early church. We've got so much, but we understand things so much more now. We don't really need the practice of fasting because they didn't really get it, but we've had thousands of years to read the Bible, and now we understand it. Maybe our mindset, first of all, is, oh, that's really hard. That's really difficult. Maybe your first thought, that's not healthy at all. That's not healthy for anyone to do. Is the Bible asking me to do something that's bad for us? Maybe you don't think it's important. Honestly, maybe you just go, do you know what? I get it's in the Bible, but there's far more important things in my life. Or maybe 
It's, I don't know enough about it to even start. Maybe you think, what's the point? I could give up food for a day or so, but what's the point of it? Thankfully, Matthew 6, 16 to 18 is a bit of a help. And we're going to start, today we're going to delve into possibly two, three Bible passages to help us. This one is very clearly about fasting, but the other two you might not have considered as passages about fasting. So Matthew 6, 16 to 18. This is Jesus speaking. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that you will not be obvious for others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So very clearly, Jesus is speaking. I love this passage about fasting, because I think the first word in verse 16 is kind of all I need in this topic sometimes. When. When. It's amazing here that Jesus, when talking about fasting, doesn't say if. He says when you fast. When you fast. There's an assumption of Jesus that as a life, we're talking to Jewish people at the time, and for us as Christians, that we will fast. When, not if. And I don't know if you've read much of the Gospels, but Jesus isn't afraid to correct teaching that's wrong in the, in the Bible. If the Pharisees have got something wrong, he's very clear. He's like, no, you've got this wrong, you brood of vipers. That's one of my favorite phrases, you brood of vipers. I love it. Jesus will correct. But in this space, he's hearing about fasting. He doesn't go, you brood of vipers, why are you, why are you not eating food? You're silly. He says, no, when you fast. And then he goes on to teach about it. Jesus is assuming that we will fast. When, not if. And I don't know about you, but something Jesus assumes I'm going to do and teaches on it is something I want to do. If he's not corrected it or said it's wrong, and in fact he's saying, when you do it, do it like this, that's something I want to do. As a disciple of him, that's what I want to do. I want to fast. Interestingly, you know, I don't know if you're aware, but this passage, just before it, Jesus is talking about prayer and how sometimes prayer and fasting are very much linked together. We can, we'll delve into that a little bit later on, but I think it's really important that Jesus talks about fasting now as a, fa- as a topic and then also relates it to the topic of prayer, which we'll pick up later on in the series. So Jesus assumes it. The early church, and throughout church history until recently, fasting has been a big thing for the church. I just realized I didn't start my timer, otherwise I'm going to be up here forever and you're going to hate me. Um, the, the, early, the church, throughout church history, in the early church, fasting was something they got. They lived it every single week. In fact, the early church, and I think it's roughly to the Enlightenment, some of the stuff I was listening to reading, reading the church, throughout church history, fasted twice a week. They did Wednesday and Friday. Wednesday because of the betrayal of Jesus. Friday because of the death of Jesus. So they've done it. They get it. That was their rhythm. That was their pattern in life. They saw the importance. They saw Jesus, talked about it, and they lived it twice a week. We've seen Jesus talked about it. And 
the course we're doing is called Practicing the Way, and it's run by a guy called John Mark Comer, and he says this about fasting. I think I've got other things. Fasting is one of the most essential and powerful practices of Jesus, but we neglect it. I'll read that again. Fasting is one of the most essential and powerful practices of Jesus, but we neglect it. When I first heard him say that, that hit my heart because I saw where I was and I saw that, yes, I fast sometimes, but I hadn't got the importance of it. I hadn't got it. It wasn't going in my brain properly. It wasn't, I wasn't living it in the same way that I knew when I heard that quote that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, talked to me on it and said, you need to live this more. You need to live this more. And I think he's right, sadly. I think... The modern church, especially in the West, we've neglected fasting. We've let the convenience of the world, we've let the, our bodies, I believe, have, and our, our mindsets, have, everything's so instantaneous. I don't know about you, but Just Eat is a very dangerous app because you can literally, I don't know if you have Just Eat around here, actually. You have Just Eat and you can just order it and it just arrives at your door. It's, it's so instantaneous. Food is so easily gettable that my life has become, oh, I need that. Oh, I need that. Oh, I need that. But the act of fasting is saying the opposite. You don't need that. What you need is the presence of God. What you need is the presence of God. I think we have neglected it. But I think that today is a day, and throughout this series, in connect groups and from preaching, it's time for us as a church to reclaim the practice of fasting. To say, we're going to live it out. We're going to take what Jesus said, what he assumed we'd do, and we're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to put it into practice. So we're still looking at the topic of wine. We're going to delve into one in more detail in a second. But uh, over the next few weeks, so today I'm going to talk to you about offering our whole selves to God. And then in, in the next few weeks, we're going to touch on topics like to grow in holiness. We're going to look at how it's linked with prayer and how to stand with the poor in it if you're doing it in connect groups as well. So there's loads and loads and loads of reasons why fasting is important. But today we're going to focus on to offer ourselves to God. Um, can I jump to the next Bible verse, please? Thank you. <coughs> so this is Romans 12, verse 1. Some of you would have read this before, and you might not have seen how this, I believe this is linked to fasting in a way. Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And can I jump to the next Bible verse as well? Thank you. So 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were you are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So we're just going to quickly take those two verses and the, 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 chap, the verse from Matthew. And so I'm going to look at Five very simple things, very simple acts that we can, that we can draw out from there that are things of reasons why we fast. So the first one is the act of humility. Okay, So we see this in Matthew. It says in Matthew, cover your face with oil. Cover your head with oil. I think that the, uh, one of the reasons why we fast is to offer our whole self to us and we learn the act of humility. Humility is such a godly trait. We see it, Christ himself humbled himself. 
Humility is what God calls us to do. And the act of fasting is one way that we learn humility. So I don't know about you, but I've never poured oil on my head. Anyone, apart from when you've been anointed, anyone casually pour oil on their head? No? Hannah's saying yes. Oh, Lou, you do. Brilliant. I've never, I've never gone, oh, let me, I'm fasting. Let's get a jug of oil and pour it on my head. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying here is that it's an act of we don't want people to necessarily know we're fasting because it's a humble thing between yourself and the Father or the group of people doing it and the Father. And I put up there, the act of fasting is humility, not secrecy. Because I think sometimes when I fasted, we fasted, and we've done it as a church, we fast as a group. So oh, Graham will know I'm fasting, for example. But it's not a secrecy thing, it's a humility thing. I'm not walking into a workplace or walking into the church on a Sunday, hey guys, I've not eaten for three days. I am so holy. That's not what it's about. That's not what fasting is about. It's an act of humility, of coming before your king, coming before God and saying, I'm giving you all of myself. And I don't care what people, what people think about me right now. I don't care about that. I'm not going to show off to them. I'm just going to humble myself before the king of kings and say, I am yours. A moment of intimacy with the king. In fact, the guy called Michael Green... He says this when talking about this passage. He's referencing the earlier bit as well. There is no ostination. I have to re- look up how to say that word, actually. It was quite a difficult one for me if you're dys- dyslexic. There is no ostination. We are not to tell others that we are fasting. For once we start to take credit for ourselves, we rob God of his glory. Almsgiving is to be only for your father, to your father. So is prayer. So is fasting. Fasting is an act of humility. We come before the king and we don't take credit. We don't show off to others. Act number two is an act of perseverance. We're called to be content, not comfortable. When we look at the passage in Matthew again, it says, it says this little phrase, it will not be obvious, so it will not be obvious. And I thought about that. I thought, oh, maybe this is about hiding, which it is. But then I was just praying, and I thought God was saying, it's not obvious because there's the act that they've done is they poured things on their head to, to try and hide it. And why do they try and hide it? Because it's not an easy thing. Sometimes it'd be really difficult to fast. Sometimes it can be, oh, I really want food, and... Our faces can look different and are, oh, like, I don't know about you, I get, I said I get hangry, my body can change, my mind can change a little bit. These are some of the negative five things I'll get into positives in a minute. And I can find that really difficult. But God is calling in, in the act of fasting for us to persevere. Perseverance is another amazing godly trait that God calls us to do. Keep going, keep going, run the race, persevere. I think perseverance is one of the greatest callings on a Christian's life is to keep going. Just keep going with God. Keep going with God. And, act, and fasting is a, is a way of showing an act of perseverance. So it is not obvious because it's going to be difficult, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to fast and I'm going to keep coming back into the presence of God and saying, God, you know I'm not eating today. I don't want to seek your presence. It's difficult, but I'm going to keep persevering in the presence of God. 
And I don't know about you, but the whole act of perseverance is essentially an act of saying, all I am is yours. Whether it's related to fasting or anything else in our life that's person persevering for God. It's saying, I'm going to keep going because every single part of me, my mind, my heart, my soul, my body is yours, God. It is yours. It is totally yours. And when we fast, we have to do a thing of putting our earthly desires to one side, don't we? As I said, I love to eat food. I might be fasting and on a Monday, thank you, Bar and Martin, for this. On a Monday, if I'm fasting on a Monday, there is food shed down here. And suddenly in the office comes Greg's donuts. And you ca- you've already smelt them downstairs. You've already thought, oh, please, Lord, don't bring them upstairs because I am fasting today. And suddenly there is a, a plate of Greg's donuts in the office. And I have to, in that moment when we're fasting, and so will you if you take up the practice of fasting and go, my human desires... I need to put to one side because I want to give my entirety to the King of Kings. My whole body, I'm giving over to you. My desires go there, but I am staying here because I have given you, God, today every single part of me, including my hunger. It's an act of perseverance, giving your whole self to God. Thirdly, and it's, uh, we learn from Romans 12, verse 1, it's an act of spiritual worship. I don't know about you, we had a great time of sung worship this morning, didn't we? Thank you, Lorraine and the band, for doing that. Who else felt the presence of God during worship this morning? Brilliant, thank you. It's so good. I love times of sung worship. I love being in the presence of God. But I want to put to you today, fasting is just as much an act of worship as singing a song. Now, some of, that, some of us might have, that might hit slightly hard, but it's true. We see here, I'll read the, the verse again, the end of Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, I don't know about you, but I've, when I read the word worship, I get it. I was like, God, what do you mean by spiritual worship? Surely all my worship is kind of spiritual to you. So I looked into it, and um, I don't usually do this because I, I don't think I'm really clever enough to do this, but I looked at the Greek word spiritual in this bit. And I had to look up this one as well. I'd say this one, logikos. Who wants to say that after three? One, two, three, logikos. Brilliant. It's your logikos worship. Your logikos. I was like, God, what is logikos? So I researched some more. Logikos in this passage can mean two things. Reasonable... Or rational. So God is saying here, it is your giving your whole body is your reasonable worship or your rational worship. Which is so good, isn't it? It's saying when we give our bodies, it is the right response. It's not a question mark, it's our right response. If it's reasonable, it means offering ourselves is appropriate, sensible, and it's not too much to ask for our God. If it's rational, it's the, resp- the right response for our body, our mind, and our heart. It's spiritual rather than ceremonial. And if you know your Old Testament, the, uh, there was lots of ceremonies where you had to offer sacrifices um, to enter into the presence of God. I think it's really interesting that when we present our whole bodies as spiritual worship, it's not ceremonial it's spiritual. It's 
the right response to give ourselves. It's so good, I think. So fasting is part of our Logikos worship. Fasting is our correct response to God. In fact, um, can we jump to the quote? This was another interesting name. Epictetus, I believe. Uh, he is a first century philosopher. And he, he says this. He said, if I were a nightingale, I would do what is proper to a nightingale. And if I were a swan, I would do what is proper to, for a swan. In fact, I am Logikos, a rational being, so I must praise God. And when we look at that in the area of fasting, our right response to God is to say, my whole body is yours. My Logikos worship is to say, I am yours. I'm giving you my whole body. I'm going to fast for you. Number four, we see that a, uh, another, another reason why we fast is an, it's an act of surrender. We've, uh, we've touched on it already, but I think as a, as a modern church, as a westernized church in the modern day, we've lost the theology, the, the theology of whole body theology. That simply means that sometimes we can focus entirely, entirely on our heart, which isn't wrong to focus on that, and entirely maybe on our soul. But actually, biblically, we do need to look at our heart and our soul, and it comes up again and again and again. But there is also a principle of surrendering your whole body. And that's what the act of fasting is. Fasting demonstrates that we will worship God with the entirety of our body and surrendering it to him. If I had a choice, if, if fasting wasn't in the Bible, I don't think I'd ever choose to fast. I don't think it would be, oh, oh this is so good, I'm going to give up food, I'm going to do that. I, I wouldn't do that. That isn't part of who I am. I've already told you I prefer the feasting to the fasting. But when we fast, like Jesus says, is an act of total surrender. Total surrender to him. My whole body is yours. Not just my thoughts, not just my heart, not just my soul, but my whole body is yours. And I think we see that in our act of fasting. Anyway, I don't know, when I, when I fast, as I said, my mind can find things a little bit difficult. I might get a bit grumpy at times, but I have to go to God and go, God, can you renew my mind again? Another biblical principle. I'm going to renew my mind again. Can you daily renew my mind as I fast? God, can you take my mind off of the food and the grumpiness that I might be experiencing? But can you help me, God, to divert my thoughts to you? My whole body worship, I give my mind. My heart, my heart changes when I fast. I draw close to the king of kings into the presence of God because I'm not eating, I'm choosing to spend time with him instead. My heart changes, all of our hearts change when we come into the presence of the king. Either we come closer to him, if we're a Christian or in the case of some, when we look in the Bible, we can turn our hearts away from him. But the act of fasting changes our hearts because we're doing it for him. So we come and our hearts change to be more like the king, to, and to, to daily transform. And our body as well, as we said before, I'm denying my needs and my wants. And I'm saying, God, I'm giving it to you, and I know it's good. And I know it's good, because I'm being draw, drawn into the, the presence of the king 
And as Graham said already today, God is doing something in us, of drawing us into the presence. He's, got, he's like, come in, my children, come in, draw into me. And I think the act of fasting is one way God is calling us into his presence in a deeper way by saying, I'm not going to have the food. I'm going to surrender my whole body so I can be drawn again into the kingdom of God and into his presence and his intimacy of what he's doing with us as a church at the moment. And aren't we all called to pick up our cross and follow him? And for me, fasting is one way I have to pick up my cross and follow him. To say, I'm picking up my cross because every part of me is surrendered to you. And the last act is when we fast, it's an act of repentance. We've already talked this morning about the importance of repentance. When I fast, hand, hand on heart, God highlights things in my life that aren't great. And he talks to me and I, he develops an attitude of turning away, saying, God, I'm so sorry I did this wrong. I want to turn towards you. Fasting is an act of repentance. You know why? Because we read that verse later on. He said, we are bought at a price. If we're bought at a price, I want to give my whole body to that person. The price being Jesus' death on a cross and he's now he's resurrected in glory. Hallelujah. If that's the cost, why wouldn't I want to fast and give everything to him? He gave his body on the cross for me. I want to give my body for him. I believe there's a call on our lives at the moment, as the church has said already, to step into this practice of fasting as an act of repentance and saying, God, I'm sorry. You gave your whole body for me. I want to offer my entirety to you. And that doesn't mean we're not going to mess things up, because we are, because we're human. But it's a heart attitude of saying, everything is yours. So just quickly to finish, I'm just going to run through Sam's top 10 tips of fasting. It's all very me we're telling you these are the reasons why. And I am no expert at fasting, so you might think, oh, that one's pretty rubbish, Sam. But uh, let's go for these. My top 10 tips. Tip, tip number one, focus on God, not the fast. That is the most important thing. When I fast, when I think about the food, I struggle. But when I think about the king, when I think about God, it's good. Number two, don't be daunted by the challenge ahead. Don't be daunted by it. You can do it. Maybe it's not starting with a whole day fast. Maybe it's like an hour or two or maybe a morning and you want to build up. Don't be daunted by it so you work away from it. Be, be, be ready and break it down for the way you can do it. Number three, be ready for the intimacy. Uh, this one really got me when I first started fasting. I don't think I was ready for the intimacy I had with the Father during that time. Now, that's not to say every time I fast, it's the most intimate moment of my life, and I cannot get off the floor, I'm doing weird things. No, that's not it at all. I just wasn't expectant of the intimacy I had with the Father on some of the occasions I fasted. Number three is very practical. Drink lots of water, unless you're fasting from water. Um, drink lots of water because your body needs it. Okay, very simple. We'll move on from that one. Number five, who are you going to do it with? Sash, who is going to hold you accountable? I found this really helpful. So when I fast, I'll tell some people, and it will be a moment where they, they might join with me in a fast, and we encourage each other. Or 
they keep me accountable in my fast. How did it go? It is not, as I said, humility is it is humility, not secrecy. Uh, number six, plan your time. When I fast, I like to make sure I know what Bible verses I might be reading, or am I going to spend time in prayer in this bit, or maybe I'm just going to say, I'm just going to totally go with the flow. Number seven, be interruptible. I know I've just said plan it, but be interruptible. If God breaks in, go where God goes. Don't go, my plan says at 6.55, I need to do this. No, you go where the Spirit takes you. Be interruptible. Record, number eight, record. God will speak to you. He speaks to us. Record what he says. Sometimes when I'm hungry and tired, I forget things. So especially when I'm fasting, I need to write down what God has said to me. Number nine, regular and response. Build the rhythm of fasting into your your life. So maybe like the early church did it twice a week. Whatever you want to do, build that rhythm in. So the regular and the response. In the Bible, we see often uh, fasting is linked to a response to something that's happening. I'd love to talk to you about that. I've got all notes here. We're not going to go into it today. And finally, number 10, post-fast food. Do not do what I I did. No offense, McDonald's. Don't eat McDonald's, okay? Think about the post-fast just as much as the fast, okay? So when you're fasting, think of God, but think when I finish, I need to make sure I'm gentle on my tummy, okay? Because it it will have a medical effect-ish when you start to eat. Brilliant. So they're my top 10 tips on fasting. I hope you recorded them. If not, we'll find a way to get them out if you even want them. So just message me if you do. Um, so what I want to lead you with, can we just jump to the last slide? What I want to lead you, leave you with is this. Are you prepared, because you were bought at a price, to use fasting as your loggy cost worship, as your right response to God? Are you prepared to say, you gave all of your body on the cross? I'm prepared to give all of my body to you. I'm just going to pray, so as we draw to end. Father, I just thank you that you, you love us and you want to be intimate with us. God, I thank you that you give us the gift of fasting God, I just pray you help us on our journeys to, to put into a rhythm in our life. And God, I just pray if there's anyone here who's heard the message today and is, is struggling with a, a negative relationship with food, God, that you break into their life in that way as well. And God, I just pray that you come in your healing power in that way as well. But God, I also pray for us who don't have that negative relationship with food by, help, by helping us to yeah, instill the rhythm of fasting into our life. God, I pray in those times you will draw us into a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. And God, we just pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen.